Hello, and welcome to the CEO Blind Spot Show, where leaders reveal their blind spots and best practices. I'm your host, Birgit Camps, and today's guest is George Martinez, co-founder of two banks who are recognized for their successful growth and for being best places to work, even after being taken public and becoming billion-dollar banks. Welcome to the show, George. Thank you. My pleasure to be here. And George, I know you stepped down as CEO of the current bank two years ago. And of course, you remain chairman of the Allegiance Bank shares and you remain as active as ever. (laughs) So you continue to lead. And your successes could take us, I don't know, a decade to go through. But not only can people Google you and find all your successes, I know you've been inducted to the Texas Bankers Hall of Fame and have been on many, many boards. But personally, I know plenty of people who you've helped. And of course, especially also during the COVID times, you and your team have just done an amazing job. But what do you think are some of the reasons you have succeeded so well I think the most important one is the people, having the right people. We built a great team of high performers. These are independent thinkers who will collaborate with each other and make the best decision and then align to that decision. And that's important. Alignment is key to success. So these people are all committed to the same values, such as honoring your word, Mm. accountability, service, and align with the same vision for the future. And that's important to the sustainability of the business. Mm. And George, how did you come to discover the importance of that? Did you have a mentor? Were you just naturally gifted at that? I had a an executive coach. I did have a couple of mentors originally when I started in banking, but I, I needed a coach and I've had for the last 35 years, the same person as my executive coach. He's a professional management consultant who can see the issues that we face from a slightly different perspective and helps me to transform my point of view. And that had a big, big impact on my success as well. And did you just wake up one morning and say, I need an executive coach? Or did you have something that happened? It's interesting because I was invited by one of the attorneys of the bank to go to a session on communication Mm -hmm. at his office. And uh, so it was an introduction to a course on communication. And so I went and, and decided to register for the course. Well, in the course, what I found out was that while I thought that it was everybody else's problem, not communicating (laughs) well, it turned out that it was really my problem. And so anyway, it was serendipitous, I guess. Well, I really appreciate you being open about that and and even saying that you thought it was everybody else's problem. Then you realized, oh, I might have to look at me. So you kind of pre-answered one of my questions, which is what was one of your leadership blind spots? And I guess you were asked to go to the communication course because someone saw that maybe that was your blind spot or how did you discover yours? Well, it was discovered in the in that course and subsequent courses and working with him, the idea that I had, what would really, really work well for me was to be good, to be a good person, to do well, do well in school, do well at work and be liked. And I'd like to be liked. Now that served me well up to a point, but it really prevented me from being straight with people, much less confrontational, but being straight or being confrontational was what was required. You mean to build high performance teams? That's right. And so, for example, I tolerated for far too long employees who were highly productive but were not aligned with our values or were 
were ego-driven, mm. most of team players, detriment of our culture. And mostly because I didn't have those straight conversations that were needed. With the help of my coach, I was able to transform and gradually build a muscle in that area. Well, so that's then over time, I guess you learned the importance of having a good culture, which is another interesting topic because it's, it's a lot of entrepreneurs that kind of struggle with how important really is culture. When did you discover the importance of team players and culture and vision alignment are more important than just a performer? Yeah, this is this actually was very early on. And we developed a culture that was committed to the success of all the constituencies of the bank, the employees, the customers, the investors, the bank regulators, the community. And by doing a good job for all the constituencies, rather than only focusing on the investors return, our business is sustainable over time and actually produces the best results overall. Most businesses are all about making money. And, and of course, it's important to make money. It's important to satisfy the investor's concerns. But employees that get it done. You have to take good mm -hmm. care of the employees. They take good care of our customers. The customers provide the revenue and so on. And, and we have great relationships with bank regulators as well, the community as well. And I think this is the culture, this is the kind of culture I think that really works best in the long term. I think now is being recognized as such by some of the big companies, and they're now declaring that themselves. But this is something that we were working on 30 years ago. You became interested in being a banker and interested in creating a good culture. And how much of your background do you think tied into that? I know a little bit about your growing up years. Well, I don't know. I think probably the the whole thing about being light and being committed to being good and do well and so on and so forth probably started when I was quite young, maybe eight years old, something like that. And, and that was when someone called you well, Mexican yeah, or? Yeah, that's right. So <laughs> I, I was living in a in a totally Hispanic neighborhood, but an Anglo family moved in and the kid next door would call me, hey, Mexican, Mexican. And was really, uh, in my view, at least, he was putting me down. Okay. And so I had this sense that living in a white world, I was going to have to do better. And I think that it was behind that, that whole thing. And here you are, super well, successful. Right. It made a difference to begin to see a different point of view. Like for example, okay, I made that decision when I was eight years old and an eight-year-old is not capable of making the, such decisions. So I, I could reconsider and decide, mm. no, I'm not second class. I'm just as good as anybody else. It depends on my ability to perform. And so I just practiced that and never really had any problems after that. Yeah. Well, and you've succeeded greatly. And you also, at the same time, contribute greatly to the community. And I know you and I have had the shared interest in being advocates for early childhood education. And in fact, we worked together on collaboration for children for a while, but what inspired you in, in that particular area? Well, I think early childhood education is so critically important for the students to be able to have a real opportunity. They've got to be prepared to go into kindergarten. And some of the families are just not able to provide the whatever is required for those kids to learn what they have to know. And so there are programs that support that. And I encourage that anything that has to do with educating the children between zero and pre-kindergarten. I'm in favor of that. And you continue to be in favor of education because I know you You also, I guess you were a co-founder of the current program to help people go into banking. Are you at liberty to say something about that? Well, that was really, I, I supported one of my senior bankers who 
was a graduate of Texas Southern University, a historically black university, and he was interested in having a banking school there. So I supported him with that, introduced him to someone who could help with the, from the Texas Bankers Association, and together they put together a program and sold it to the, the business council, the business advisory council of the business school there, and it became part of the curriculum. And one of the conditions was that it had to be donor-funded, and so we had a budget of $10 million that would allow for operating expenses as well as an endowment, an endowment that would allow it to, to be in perpetuity. And so we've raised so far $3.8 million from banks and two foundations, and we're going to continue to do that. So it's successful. Our senior officer here at the bank is actually the executive in residence at the uh, program, and uh, it's working quite well. Very good. And you're still not retiring. You continue to contribute. And currently, I know your bank is in the middle, um, and I can say this because it's public now, but I know you announced a potential merger. Can you say something more about that? Yeah, that, that's a really big deal. So we announced that our bank and Community Bank of Texas will be merging next year and will be allow us to, by combining, be the largest community bank in the Houston area area and the Beaumont area and have total assets of over $11 billion. Congratulations. And it's helping yeah. lots, lots of entrepreneurs as yeah. well. So George, as we start to wrap up the show, as you know, a lot of people have been through crisis and a lot of entrepreneurs have been struggling. So is there a tip or two you can give them about how maybe you've gone through crisis or how you've seen other entrepreneurs make it through crisis? Yeah, we've had crisis. We've had crisis here in Houston the last 40 years or so. Mm -hmm. Several of them. What I would say is always take advantage of whatever opportunity the crisis provides. So I'm going to give you some examples. So in the 1980s, there was an oil and real estate crisis here in Houston and in Texas. And 425 Texas commercial banks failed, including nine of the state's largest bank holding companies. And Sterling Bank at the time took advantage of the opportunity and acquired the business and the customers of three of those failed banks from the FDIC and our footprint in Houston. And that allowed us to get large enough. We went public in 1992. Then in 2008, the country experienced the subprime mortgage crisis and created lots of losses and a decline in interest rates. But Allegiance Bank at that time was only one year old and we had no subprime mortgage loans. We had no credit losses to distract us. So we took advantage of the opportunity to to recruit employees and customers from the other banks who were inwardly focused and offered the customers lower rates of interest to gain market share and loans. And then lastly, in, in 2020, we experienced the COVID-19 crisis. The demand for loans declined for all banks mm -hmm. as the government flooded the economy with liquidity. But the SBA provided PPP loans to employers through the pipeline of commercial banks. And Allegiance Bank took advantage of the opportunity to make 10,000 PPP loans for total of a billion dollars. Mm. This effort helped over 60,000 families with needed paychecks. Now, half of the loans went to existing customers and the other half to non-customers, many of whom became permanent customers, thereby gaining market share in deposits. Yeah. It also represented a tremendous amount of income for the bank in a down market. So it was very helpful to do that. So yeah. I, in every crisis, it seems to me, in my experience, there is an opportunity. Yeah. And so I guess that would require entrepreneurs to have 
the ability to take advantage of the crisis, would you say one of the keys then is to always have cash reserve or a credit line with the bank or as an entrepreneur, you may want to take advantage of the opportunity, but may not be able to, right? Well, absolutely. We've always had a substantial capital position at Sterling Bank and at Allegiance Bank so that we were able to do that. Mm -hmm. I think the main thing is don't get caught in the distraction Mm. uh, that the crisis provides. Fine, you have to handle whatever that is and you can have a team to do that. But look and see what the opportunity is and then take advantage of that. Well, there's where your years of experience come in handy. So George, thank you for sharing everything you did today. And if people want to know more about how to do business with you, they can go to allegiancebank.com. But thank you again so much for being willing to come on and contribute to other leaders. Thank you, Berg.